All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour for UFC 254 Fight Week. Ed Carbajal, as always, here with Matthew Hawkins, uh, ready to do our picks and predictions and look quick look back at last week. Uh, before we move forward, uh, just FYI, folks that listen to the audio version of this podcast, I will have uh, I did an interview with Josh Palmer, who uh, you guys might know from Cage Warriors and Polaris events. He does commentary for them. He's also doing commentary for Karate Combat. And I spoke with him about that uh, today, so that audio will be attached to uh, the end of this part of the podcast after we do our picks, if you guys want to listen to it in the, on the uh, audio v- version. So, uh, Matt, more Fight Island stuff. Yeah, no, uh, big week. This is the week we've been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, seems like the fight's been announced for a decade now, and we're uh, we're finally getting to it um but uh yeah i mean we're going to break down that card a little bit later uh oh, and i see mma kings <laughs> checking out the Paris show this Dope. week yeah nolan king there uh mma junkie uh yeah so uh big fight week uh actually had a fairly big weekend last week uh i know you had your birthday celebration so Happy late birthday uh, from me and, and the and the show here, and I'm sure uh, our fans. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, so I know you you were out doing your, uh, I think you were out doing the tequila thing, right? Uh, most of Saturday. Yes, I drank uh, <laughs> tears of La Llorona, which means tears of the crying lady. <laughs> um, Two hundred forty dollar bottle of tequila. Me and my old roommate. Shout out to Chris who bought it for me as a gift. Uh, yeah, we emptied that thing um, well into the to the wee hours of the night. So, <laughs> Twitter, that's mm-hmm. some quality tequila. That's not yeah. the uh, it's not the Jose Cuervo. Uh, yeah, no, he 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 never does anything cheap. So <laughs> <laughs> nice to have friends like that. Yeah, no, it's definitely nice. So it's cool you got to celebrate your birthday with friends, uh, even under this chaotic nonsense of a time. Uh, but there was the UFC event on Saturday. Uh, not going to break down the whole card. We didn't do it before, uh, but really the, the two fights that that have meaning and, uh, and 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 some weight as far as the the divisions go. Uh, Jessica Andrade picked up a, a dominating TKO finish of uh, Caitlin Chukagian uh, in the co-main event, uh, pretty much elevating Andrade back to a basically you know she's she's constantly a top contender. So uh, we'll see. If uh, if she's far away from a fight with Shevchenko, uh, but it certainly uh, certainly seems like that that could be the case. Then yeah, there was the I, main, yeah, I caught the I caught a I caught just the highlights. I saw her body shot KO. Um, I saw the highlights of the the improved Brian Ortega 2.0 with his decision win from the main event, and also the Jimmy Jimmy Crute's, uh knockout was also one fight in note. But um, yeah, I mean it was a uh, I missed it, but uh, I mean, looks like the highlights summed it up pretty good. Yeah, it happens. Uh, Ortega looked great. I we didn't do picks for the fight. I I was leaning uh, the Korean Zombie. I thought that actually he would he would do better on his feet. I thought that's where he would have the advantage. That turned out to be completely wrong. Uh, like you said, two point Ortega uh, did his thing, landed a, a spinning back elbow that that uh, changed a lot of the momentum of the fight early. So Ortega picks up a big win, and he uh, he basically moves himself uh, into title fight contention. Uh, rumor is uh, maybe him and Volkanovski in early 2021. Um, that was the UFC card again, one we didn't really break down much. So uh, it's still available on ESPN Plus uh, for any fans that want to check those fights out. Um, the fight that we were into uh, over the weekend, the, the, the main one, uh, Bellator 249 actually took place on Thursday night, uh, and things tended to go a little bit my way uh, as far as predictions go, um, at least in the main event, I should say. It didn't, didn't go very well for the rest of the fights, but um, Cyborg does her thing. Chris Cyborg defends her Bellator title. Uh, submission win, first submission victory of her career. Uh, which is a pretty pretty wild uh, stat, uh, but she got that done against Arlene Blenko. 
who came in, showed heart, did her thing, but uh, just the ferociousness and the and the constant barrage of Cyborg is just it's been too much for everybody she's ever fought uh, except for Amanda Nunes. So, uh, you know, it, I think it, you know, a lot of people thought Arlene would be able to do uh, last longer, I should say. Um, and I, I think it just, it was just a matter of, again, too much ferocity and too much strength from Cyborg. I don't yeah. know if you have any special takeaway on that fight. I, I honestly didn't think that there was going to be a uh, power, a power advantage, uh, you know, like, because, uh, you know, you watch them face off, you see them uh, face off at, at um, weigh-ins and stuff like that. And, and it wasn't really noticeable then. But when the fight got going, I that's when I was like, wait a second. There's definitely, I don't know if Cyborg got longer or the reach was there and I just didn't notice it. But there was definitely a, a, an advantage. Um, Blanco, when she talked to me and, and you know, other interviews she did leading up to fight uh, the fight that week, she said she didn't want to really step on her back foot or walk out, you know, give her any backpedaling. But it's like, it, you know, you have a plan. And you know she couldn't she couldn't follow through because Cyborg is just uh, still a force uh, you know in women's MMA especially in that division. So I mean she's not really going anywhere. Um, yeah, I I, I kind of thought it was weird that that was her first submission win over uh, for as long as she's been fighting, but I guess it makes sense. I mean she's mostly you know pounded people away, and um, you know I I thought Blanco had a chance, but. You know, you never know. Like they say, you, you you have a plan until you get punched in the face. I forget where that quote comes from, but hey, uh, you know, it was a valiant effort by Blanco. I'm sure we'll see her again. She's definitely not a quitter, handling the loss like a champ too. I know she went shopping and stuff and stuff like that. So as she's making her way back home to Australia, but uh, you know, strange times for for a fight of that caliber. And they they at least uh, you know you know it wasn't a like a first round knockout or anything like that. I'm glad she made it through the first round. So, um, you know, they're talking about uh, trying to do something with boxing now in Cyborg. I don't know if I'm really into that unless they do the, uh, you know, Coker said, if they do do a May Mac type of situation, Coker said that he's not going to back down on wanting that them to return the favor. Like if she goes to boxing, we all know that she's probably not going to do well in boxing, but you know, if they're going to come the other way, then, 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 you know, Move the brush, paint the brush the other way, and and have uh, the boxer feel some of the uh, the feel taste the loss of an MMA loss too. You know. No, I think that that's a good point and something Bellator could have more leverage on, um, because even if that takes place in boxing, really the A side of that deal is going to be Cyborg. I think mm-hmm. just just because of the name, even if she fights a, a great female world champion she's cyborg still going to be the the a side the name on that on that matchup where where although mcgregor was the name it was that fight doesn't happen without uh with mayweather so mm-hmm. ufc didn't really have the leverage to pull that off but that's you know it'd be cool if that happened i guess if we can get some kind of exchange i'm not big on the jump into boxing um unless you can show me that it's going to be a, a against a foe that you know it, it's something where it becomes an event i mean the mcgregor one the mcgregor mayweather fight was kind of a joke until we got to the fight and then it was like, okay, well, at least it's going down. Let's, let's see how it unfolds. And it was a big event. Um, I don't really want to see cyborg box anybody in an empty arena. Uh, I'm kind of over the whole empty arena. Look at this point, to be honest <laughs> with you. I, I, I think it, you know, I, I just think that the atmosphere of a regular fight with crowds and stuff is, is what we need to have for some of these wild fights. I mean, yeah. seeing, Cy- seeing cyborg win the fight, climb the cage and kind of yell at an empty arena is just kind of, doesn't 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 do it for me. So I don't know. I, I just I, I feel like that's the one thing we're missing. Um, yeah, uh, I mean it's it's sports. You need fans for sports. I mean you can't digitize them and all this bullshit that we're seeing in baseball. And I think the WWE is doing that now. I mean, you know, uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, oddly enough, I fall I've fallen back into somewhat of a pro wrestling fan. Watching AEW, uh, I know they have it on Wednesday nights, but I usually record it and watch it after. And uh, you know they're in Florida, so there's they're they're limited capacity, and you can see the you can see and feel the difference and the reactions, especially with the the people in the ring, and and it's just that there's there's, there's a chemistry about it. And I know uh, uh, many fighters have talked about it. You know, we had Brendan Royville talking about it on this podcast not too long ago. 
how uh, they know that it's just going to be a different feel when fans can return and they can fight for them. So uh, I'm looking forward to it too. I mean, uh, I, I would like to cover an event. <laughs> I miss covering an event live. I mean, you know, it's nice to zoom in once in a blue and get a couple of questions in. But again, like you said, man, I mean, I, I know you, you feel like to feel that energy in a different way, but it's technically the same energy, whether you're there for work or you're there for fun. It's the same energy and it's positive energy. And, you know, it's, uh, I think we all miss it. Yeah. So, so we'll see what that happens in the future there. Uh, things I think are trending at least in the direction of, of getting closer to having live events at events um, in some of these bigger States where, where the UFC would promote their events. So, so we'll see what happens also on that card. Leandro Higo moved to the main event when uh, Patrick, Patricky Pitbull was pulled for medical reasons prior to this fight. Um, so Higo picks up the big win over Ricky Bandejas, finishes him in the second round via rear naked choke. I didn't see it happening like that. Higo uh, super impressed me. I know he's always been a tough, durable dude, but uh, I think we both picked Bandejas if I remember correctly. And uh, it, it he was outclassed from, from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like you said, a strange night uh, overall for, for that event. So uh, nothing went as uh I don't want to say as planned, but, you know, as, as we picked. But, it, you know, I, I just feel like because uh, that the, that co-main event change happened, like, literally right before they went on air mm-hmm. and started. I, I think uh, Nolan, who chimed in here, might have been one of the people that broke that news early. But because uh, he's he's been at all of the events, he's, you know, for, it's his full-time job. So he can get there and do the, the coverage for MMA Junkie. And, and uh, when he tweeted that out, I was just like, oof. Doesn't look like a, a fun time. And then obviously, and then we had the poor Saad Awad. Uh, you know, there, I swear to God that there's something in Mohegan's son. If you count how, like the number of ball shots that have ball shot, no contest results from that ar- arena, it, it might be a new uh, curse <laughs> or something like that. I just, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like when I saw that happen, I'm like, they might as well call it ball shot arena at this yeah. point for fights. So, <laughs> yeah, it uh, kind of gives a different meaning to fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a but, good one. You know, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm tweeting that out on you, Bell 250. <laughs> Yeah, let's keep it in the fight fight sphere and not in the. Uh... That's that should be a thing on like all these betting apps, like like FanDuel, DraftKings. You know, will uh, will someone get hit in the balls tonight? You know, like what are the odds? I mean, chances are, you know, that's, that's... oh, we'd be ri- we'd be rich as hell right now. I'd bet yeah. I bet every fight there'd be a nut shot, you, especially be... if it's there. It's it's. <laughs> I can't believe it. ever since the Sergey Karatonov thing, it seems like okay, one or two are are guaranteed. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd have to go back to even look. I mean, keep in mind, Bellator is the event that had a dude axe kick a guy in the balls on the ground. I don't know if that was in Connecticut or not. It more likely was probably, probably, was. In, <laughs> probably in Oklahoma or something because it was earlier in the days. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. But that sucks for Syed as uh, as uh, he started the event off against uh, Analo, uh And it was a fight we were looking forward to. Hopefully it's one that gets rebooked. Uh, Syed on Twitter said that he didn't have any – major uh issues from the the shot so yeah of course that's good uh the other name on the card that jumped in steve mowry jumped up from the prelims remains undefeated at eight and oh with another devastating knee knockout uh or knee knockout to ground and pound but the, the damage was done on the on the on the feet at the knee so mowry uh six foot eight heavyweight um big dude. continues yeah. his undefeated run here and, and looks to be a force um in that heavyweight division of Bellator, someone to definitely be looking forward to. So that gets us through Bellator. That was their big event. You know, didn't, didn't probably pop off like they expected. Uh, Cyborg definitely did her thing, but uh, when you have a fight drop out last minute and then you have a bent open with a groin shot, uh, fight cancellation that slows things down. So we'll see how they rebound. Their next event is, uh, you know, basically the Bellator fight of the decade uh, with Musasi and Douglas Lima. Uh, so that will be one to look forward to. I believe that's on the 29th, Thursday, the 29th. So yep. we'll catch up with that one next week. That moves us now to the uh, the highlight of the week, the highlight of potentially the year, the fight we've been talking about 
really since uh, Ferguson and Gagey took place, um, setting the setting the stage uh, for Habib Nurmagomedov to defend his lightweight title against Justin Gagey uh, on Fight Island uh, this Saturday. Uh, early time main main card uh, pay per view starts at. Uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Eastern. Prelims start for me on the West Coast at 7.30 a.m. So it will be an early rise, and uh, Red Bull Vodka is probably about 7.35 on uh, <laughs> on Saturday morning. So uh, we'll see how, how that unfolds. Uh, but uh, right now listed as a six-fight main card. Yeah. So um, we got to do a, a, lot of, a lot of homework. Hopefully you got tap holes. You open as we do our... UFC 254 Fight Picks brought to you by All Access MMA, which I forgot to say in the beginning. Make sure you check out allaccessmma.com for your fight news. So the the big the prelims wrap up. We're not going to do picks, but uh, interesting heavyweight fight just for fans listening. Stefan Struve versus Tai Tuivasa. That's the that's the headlining prelim. Pretty cool uh, heavyweight fight. A giant. At you know six foot eleven, Struve uh, takes on the the more compact uh, Tuivasa. So that will that'll bring us into the main card. When we finally get to the main card, now um, <clears throat> we are looking at a yeah. The l- prelims are pretty loaded. Uh, the usual Sam Al, yeah, no, it's just Cowboy Oliveira. Um, you know, uh, so there's, there's some stuff there. Uh, obviously, them moving the six fight main card is going to do a little damage to the prelims. But in this case, we open up the main card uh, with a fight that's already been scheduled twice. Uh, Actually it happened once and then has been rescheduled twice, both times having to be rescheduled due to COVID positives test. Uh, Megomed. uh, (laughs) Ankalev. Ankalev versus Ian Kutalaba. Um, the first fight, Ankalev uh, was awarded a TKO victory, even though Kutalaba was still on his feet. Um, he seemed to be dazed. Uh, he was either dazed or he was really playing it off to the referee, um, which obviously didn't work in his case because the referee believed he was really injured. Um, I'm going to go with Ankalev. Uh, I think Kutalaba is going to come out uh, too fired up as he tends to kind of do. Mm. Uh, I think he'll get, I think he'll get caught again this time. Uh, I think he'll get put down. Uh, I think he gets finished. I think this is a first round fight. Uh, I don't think it leaves the first round. Uh, I think a lot of shots are going to be um, thrown and I'll take a Kalev by TKO uh, slash KO victory uh, three and a half minutes into the fight. Yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> I'm wondering if, um, so, I mean, like we just noted how, uh, how the, uh, this is, uh, this is imagery is brought to you by is from the UFC.com page just for folks uh, watching this. I'm wondering how accurate these numbers are as I look, but um, I mean, I think you and I have said in the past when we, when we see a Magomed spelling in anyone's name, it's probably a bad idea to, to pick against them. So I think uh, I, 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 something, something makes me feel like um, because of, we noted the time, how they're doing it, like local time there. Uh, I guess that's their local time because most cards have been like at 3 a.m. local mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi time. I've, I, I just something inside of me wants to say that that's going to favor Kutaleba when they fight. But um, and I'm looking at their their win ratios here, especially the. Uh, I mean, he seems to have more wins by KO TKO. Uh, I just feel like that might favor him. But again, I, I don't know. I, I I I can't disagree with you either. No, uh, UFC does appear to have their records right for this fight. Uh, Enkalev, thirteen and one; Kutalaba, fifteen and five, uh, with a no contest. I think it's a close fight. I mean, I, I think that the first fight they had kind of shows that. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be who catches who first. Um, I just, I just think Enkalev uh, uh, does it. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, research or real deep look into this fight. I think it's really going to be a kind of a rock'em sock'em robots uh, round of fighting um, I, uh, that I, I just see somebody finishing somebody in the first round. And mm. um, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I would think that the local time would help the, the Russian fighter yeah. more, uh, just because he's more on his time zone. Um, yeah, that's I, true I, too. But again, I don't know without, I, I don't know where these guys are training or spending most of the time, obviously with COVID I'd imagine uh, most of them are in their, in their home countries. Mm. Um, 
So that that could be interesting. But uh, I think this could be a barn burner. I think it's a great fight to start the pay-per-view off. It's a fight that people have looked forward to, especially after the last couple cancellations when it got as high as a co-main event slot yeah. uh, on one of the events. Uh, the next fight, uh, Lauren Murphy faces Lilia Shakirova, Shakirova uh, a newcomer to the UFC. Very uh, new because they don't have, they only have her silhouette and all zeros for her. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's kind of one of those strange fights that you, you see. I think this might be yeah. the, uh, you know, kind of a, a COVID matchup, which is kind of strange because Murphy really uh, is flirting with, uh, with a title shot. She's now on a, uh, a win streak. I was going to say three, three fights, uh, including win- victories over uh, KGB Lee and, and uh, Roxanne Matafari. So she's really wiping out the, the competition at, at 125 pounds. Uh, I think a, a dominant win here uh, could very well earn her the next title shot. Um, but it seems like it's almost a lose-lose fight uh, when you fight somebody with, with such a little name value that the UFC can't even put her picture on the, on the card. Yeah, it's odd that they're doing it's a six fight made card and and that's who uh they matched her up with uh, on at uh, this card placement but hey, they know better than us, right? I mean, hard to pick against Lauren Murphy since we don't know much about Shakarova. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think Lauren Murphy grinds out a win. She was originally scheduled to fight Cynthia Cavillo, which that's right. essentially would have been a number 1 contender fight. Mm-hmm. So, um that's where, you know, I assume with a Dom, I think where the Cavill fight, I think any win for Murphy probably would have earned her a title shot. Whereas now I think the downside of this fight is she actually has to put mm. together something. I don't think she can just grind out a boring decision here and, yeah. uh, and go, especially with, uh, and of course there's the risk of losing and losing, you know, the, the, you know, the momentum she's got too. Yeah. And with, and, and with Andrade moving up to 125. Um, and and finishing the former number one contender in Chukagian, um, that also throws a little monkey wrench in it because the UFC can always drop back to that. They got a highlight of a body shot KO, uh, plus all of her history of uh, uh, dropping rows on her head. Murphy doesn't really have those highlights or that promotable aspect yet that they can go, hey, now you're fighting Shevchenko. Um, so we'll see. I mean, she's got a long history. Um and she's she's done her thing through Invicta and now into the UFC. But I do think she wins. Uh, I just think that she's going to end up winning another decision that's probably not extremely memorable. Um, that's that's just the way I see it. I think she ends up just grinding away and, and picking up a win, whether it's you know sticking and moving or or getting a couple takedowns and and just just wearing her opponent down for for three rounds. Yeah, no, it's hard. Like I said, it's hard hard not to pick her in this fight. That brings us to the third fight of the main card. Uh, another kind of a head scratcher for me. Uh, we talked about this prior to coming on the air. Uh, Phil Hawes makes his UFC debut. He did fight on the Ultimate Fighter in a qualifying match uh, where he was unsuccessful, uh, but he does come in with an eight and two pro record, coming off a win on the Contender Series. He faces Jelka, Jacob Malkown. Um, and and again, a four and fighter, but no no UFC experience. Just kind of a rare fight. I, I uh, I'm sure it happens now since we have so many cards, but I just can't remember many times a main card pay per view fight mm-hmm. uh, being involving two people that have never had a actual UFC fight. Uh, so that's that's kind of a kind of a weird thing to throw in. Um, there must be something that that one of us is just not aware of about these guys. I mean, obviously, there's up and coming contenders and prospects all over the world now with all the combat that goes on. Um, I'm just not super up to date on either of these guys, um, considering yeah. where, where they've come from. Uh, like you said, Haas fought in World Series of Fighting, so you're yeah. with him from there. Yeah, yeah. So that's why that's why I'm favoring him too, not just because his pictures on the website, but um. I've seen him fight, and I know he's uh, he's definitely one of the guys that comes to bring it. He actually, we just mentioned, we we were look, talking about it before we went on air, like you said, and uh, you know he trains at Hard Knocks 365 with the likes of uh, Steve Mowry and, and some of the folks that fight over at Bellator. So it's not like he's unfamiliar with uh, the big show. And um, um, I uh, you said uh, Malcoon is four and zero. Yes. Okay, because they have him as a zero. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, uh, yeah. Tapology hasn't listed as four and zero, fighting out of Australia. Um, 
couple couple TKO wins, couple decision wins. Um, mm. Also two and zero as an amateur. So, um, you know, he has not been defeated in a cage, which is always a positive thing, uh, especially mentally for a lot of these guys. Uh, I just, you know, with with just looking at the resumes, it's hard not to go with uh, Hawes based off just his experience alone. Um, yeah. In a World Series of Fighting, fighting on the Contender Series, and fighting on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. So so far we're on the same page. It looks like with our our picks for two fifty four. Yeah. So far, pretty even. Um, now we jump into the top three. The top three fights. Now, uh, I think we uh, we can all give a little bit more of a clear idea of how we see unfolding. Uh, the first of those three is a heavyweight clash between Alexander Volkov, coming off of a tough. Uh, ground out loss you know he got beat up by by uh curtis blades in his previous fight but he survived actually did some damage to blades later in that fight Mm -hmm. Um, after the fight happened i actually mentioned that i thought his value uh wasn't changed if not it had gone up because i think we always knew that he lacked the wrestling takedown defense um but i didn't think he i didn't think he would be able to avoid the ground and pound and the overall pressure of blades um he actually did he was able to to get the fights back to his feet later in the rounds, uh, later rounds in the fight, land some tough strikes. Um, So he's that Harris, on the other hand, coming off of a tough loss to Alistair Overeem, where he dominated for the first couple minutes of the fight, um, had Overeem basically out, uh, you know, as close to being out as you can be without physically being unconscious. Uh, But Overeem was able to rebound, catch his breath, and then use his overall MMA skills uh, to defeat uh, Harris around later. It's, it's a fun heavyweight fight. I uh, it, Harris's story obviously has been something that um, has been talked about for the last, you know, what is it, year and a half roughly, mm-hmm. give or take a little now, uh, the sad passing of his daughter. Um, I, unfortunately, I, I mean, if I got to, I got to go with Volkov. Um, I don't see, I, I, I don't see Volkov being KO'd early in a fight. Um, I know that uh, Lewis did it in the last, you know, 15 seconds of their fight. Um, what was it? UFC. The, it was the, the McGregor, Nurmagomedov Medoff card uh, mm. a couple years ago. That was the, that was the last time I uh, Volkov got KO'd and, and it was late in the fight when he kind of fell asleep. I just, I just think he's too good of a mixed martial artist yeah. uh, to lose to Walt Harris. And that's not a knock on Walt Harris. I just think Harris is kind of a throwback stand up and bang dude. And I, I just, I think Volkov will be able to survive that um, land the more crisp shots. Uh, tire Harris out and and put, potentially could even finish him on the ground if yeah. if, uh, if the ability if the if the opportunity comes. Yeah, no, it's another one that I'm with you on. I mean, not not only does Volkov um, have a what looks to seem looks like it's a height and reach advantage, but he's also got an experience advantage over mm-hmm. Harris too. That that accounts for a lot. Um, so it's just, uh, I mean, granted, Harris definitely has the ability to to land a you know. As they say, a puncher's chance will change the tide of the fight for anybody. But um, no, I can't disagree with you there. So I think we're both uh, we're both on Volkov. Yeah, I just think he's too too well rounded at this point and too uh, too prime in his career right now. That brings us to the co-main event: former middleweight champion Robert Whitaker faces Jared Cannonier. Uh, who's worked his way down from heavyweight over the years to eventually light heavyweight now to middleweight where he seems to really have found his groove. Uh, Whitaker coming off of his big win just fairly recently over, uh, over Darren Till uh, in a, in a, in a fight that he dominated, although it went to decision uh, and Cannoneer has been on a, a run of himself uh, wins over uh Hermanson, uh, Anderson Silva, and David Branch uh, are the three that he's got really since dropping down to the middleweight division. Um, I, I I think I think Whitaker is just too good. Um, I, I really think he's just. I think we lost a little bit of that, and I'm guilty as anybody um, after the Adesanya knockout of him. I I. I I was probably one of the first to kind of go, okay, maybe he's not as good as I thought mm-hmm. he was. Um, I was super impressed with this fight with Till. I don't, I think I recall you not being as impressed as I was with that fight. Um, but that's just how it happens. Um, 
you know, when watching the fights, I, I, I think he's just going to outclass Kananir. I don't know if I see uh, Jared as a world champion fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, I don't, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I just, I just think when you start fighting this caliber of fighters over and over again, you, you eventually lose. And it's just the top of the, the cream that rises. So I'm going to go with Whitaker. Um, I, a three round fight. I got to go to decision. I, mm. I don't think, I don't think there's a finish in a three round fight in a five round fight. I might go with Whitaker by late decision after gassing out uh, kind of near. Well, this is going to be the first one we disagree on. Um, I actually, first of all, if we lose a fight, I think it's going to be this one. Um, just because of Robert Whitaker's history and with everything going on, I feel like something funny will happen between weigh-ins and, you know, or weigh-ins Thursday night or however the timing is for this one. By the time Saturday morning comes, we might be waking up to some weird news. Um, but, uh, so that, uh, the, I just feel like because it's a three round fight, it does favor Cannoneer. And I just, I just feel like he's got the, uh, I've seen him do some surprising KOs in the past. And, and um, I honestly feel like, you know, Adesanya said he wants his next fight to be against uh Cannoneer. I, I, I believe he said that if he, if Cannoneer gets past Whitaker, that's, that's who has the next 185 shot. And I feel like there's a reason he's saying that because he sees it happening himself. And, uh, um, you know, of course I'm going to trust the, uh, the, the outlook of somebody that that's a superior striker in the sport of MMA, uh, coming from the world of striking that he comes from. The, there must be something that he sees there that's gonna that that makes him feel like that's going to be the next uh, title shot. So I'm going to go uh, Cannoneer on that one. It'll be interesting. It's a good fight. I, I I thought about leaning the same way, but I just after looking into it and and really delving into that fight, I I, I just I I think Whitaker. I, like I said, I I I downplayed him after his loss, and I, maybe I'm doing that with uh, with Cannoneer considering I've, I've seen him lose upper divisions that have no no relevance to the middleweight and all he's ever done at middleweight is dominate so perhaps it's it's you might be right on this one but i hope that fight doesn't fall through is that, that yeah that fight needs to stay on this card uh, otherwise at the end of the day we're <laughs> a pretty pretty thin yeah. main card if we're being honest about it paul cd baka agrees with you he thinks uh i guess he likes bobby knuckles in that fight too yeah uh let me see Real quick, uh, curious what the odds were on that fight. That would uh, you would think I would think it would be fairly even. Um, it's going to be one of those ones where they're not too far apart. I no, feel it's like. even. Yeah. They got uh, it looks like it looks like uh, Kenanier's the slight favorite, minus one twenty mm. over minus one hundred five Whitaker. So mm. essentially, even fight. Uh, the house will win on that fight, uh, no <laughs> matter no matter what happens, basically. So. That's that. The main event now, uh, the fight that we've been talking about for, for months, yeah. <laughs> uh, the fight you've been looking forward to, especially, I know, uh, through all this through all this uh, fight world, fight island, COVID craziness, Khabib, Habib Nurmagomedov, Justin Gagey. Uh, I think I said it when we first started doing this podcast about the time uh, Nurmagomedov started dominating the world of MMA. I will never pick against him. I think he's one of the most talented, if not the most talented fighter I have ever witnessed in person, uh, at least the most dominant fighter I've ever witnessed in person. Uh, I think he ragdolls Gagey. Um, mm. I think at the end of the first round, it'll be the typical 75 strikes to four for Nurmagomedov. Uh, I think he frustrates Gagey. Uh, and I think he, uh, I think he finishes Justin Gagey uh, halfway through the fight. Mm. Uh l- Early, mid, mid third round, we'll say. Uh, I think he figures out a way to either submit him or by that point, I think uh, he's frustrated to the point that ground and pound is landing. Um, I just, I, I'd, Gagey winning would be epic. I mean, don't get me wrong; the play, the world would explode if he if he wins. <laughs> but I just, uh, I, as much as I, I, I love both these guys. These guys are like this yeah. is a fight. This is a fight <laughs> I'd pay to watch. I'd pay to watch this fight every night of the week. Yeah, I, I'd I'd lose every other subscription and every other bill I have <laughs> this fight every single night of the week if they fought seven nights a week. But I gotta go with Habib. I I, I simply I, I can't pick against the guy. I just can't do it. He's twenty eight now. I, I can't do it. Well, I can <laughs> because and I'm sure, and you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Only because I mean, I, I've just I've like I, I know I've I've probably said on the podcast before. I know I've told you in conversation before. I've been watching Justin Gaethje. I, I saw him climb up World Series of Fighting, win the title there. Watching him come to the UFC, get all every every single fight, get a bonus, uh, win or lose. And um, I think the I mean, never mind his wrestling background that might be a, a a great tool against someone like Khabib. Um the the Ferguson fight really showed a a, a, a super evolved Justin Gaethje, um especially when it comes to striking, which in the past folks have said ha, has been the chink in Khabib's honor that armor that he hasn't really fought any anyone that that's been able to to capitalize. I mean like if you look back back at I forget the event number uh, when they were in Barclays, when he fought Al Iaquinta, last minute notice, um, you know, uh, Iaquinta landed some shots there, even though he lost, and he, and he lost the decision. He didn't get finished. Um, so with the with uh, Gaethje, I want to say is probably a better wrestler than than Iaquinta is, and everything he's been doing. Um, I think uh, he's got an edge in the striking that he he might touch Khabib up enough to to hurt him or cut him or something. Um, the first round is going to tell us what we're going to what to. The first round of this fight is going to tell us who's right or wrong, uh, you know, as far as our predictions go. Only because, like like you said, if if, if Khabib's going to ragdoll Gaethje, we'll, we're going to see that in the first round. Um, but if Gaethje survive, survives it, and you know the later rounds come, and maybe some fatigue is an issue or something like that, that's when that's when we'll start to see Gaethje's weird barbarian mind. You know, kick in and just kind of like that whole that whole, you know, how he talked about how he uh, he wants every exchange to be a uh, car crash where they just both take damage. And that's just that's Gaethje's whole world. It's actually what makes him a scary opponent, you know, at 155 for anyone that wants to fight him. Um, so and uh, listen, he, he's only lost twice in the UFC, right? The two two losses. Mm-hmm. And um, uh I'm I'm I've always bet money and I've only lost money on on Gaethje's always been the underdog every fight when I when I remember the odds because I've always won money when I bet on him the, with the exception of those two losses but when he's won I've always put a good amount of money on him and it's always paid off well so I'm not going to break uh, the stride I mean and if he loses I know he's going to put up a valiant effort but I mean I I don't if it if the first round's going to be telling, but either way, I'm not picking against Justin Gaethje. I think I think Justin Gaethje can do something to uh, hinder Khabib's, uh, you know, ferocity as whether it be the whether it be the leg kicks from hell or just dragging him, you know, making him fatigue and starting to fire away, kind of the way uh, the way he finished Ferguson because Ferguson didn't drop. He kind of it was like the ref that came in and stopped it because of all the damage. I can see something like that happening, um, you know. But uh, yeah, the first round is going to be very telling of, of where the rest where the rest of the fight goes. But uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not going to be surprised, obviously, if if Khabib wins. But I'm not going to uh, pick against Gaethje. No, I think you're right. I think you nailed it on the first round. Really trying to tell the story. I think it's a little bit more than just J- Gaethje surviving. I feel like he has to actually do some damage in that first round while they're both fresh fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's what can turn the tide for Gagey. I don't think it can just be like, okay, I avoided his takedown. Yeah, you know, I think he has to actually land some. I think I think he has to put some fear in in Habib's mind, or at least uh, damage the body um, going into that second round. Um, I think if just a survival uh, without any damage, uh, I think doesn't throw Nurmagomedov off his game, and I think eventually he still continues to land takedowns. Whereas again, like you said, if he lands those kicks, um, if he's able to make it, maybe cut Nurmagomedov elbows, yeah, yeah. I mean, all he has to do is slice him with something. Um, as again, uh, Nurmagomedov hasn't been in a situation where he's had to taste his own blood a lot. Um, I can't think of a single case, at least off the top of my head, in the UFC. Perhaps he did in some of his earlier fights, you know, uh, uh, ten years ago, but. Um, Again, you know, once once the one thing with Gagey is that he's been through the he's been to hell and back um, where a lot of these fighters haven't. He's been to hell and he's come back and win fights. Um, mm-hmm. So so that could be something. Um, it's easy to be the front runner when you're dominating. It's it's different when when your heart has to kick in and you got to you got to come back from from the brink of defeat. So we'll see how it unfolds. I, I just I, again, I, I 
I, I just to, to me, Khabib has always been just a special talent. That doesn't mean Gagey's maybe not a better fighter, but as far as just pure talent and and what I've witnessed yeah. from cage side at fights, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and that that goes for Fedor and and everybody. Um, just the no. pure talent, just the pure talent and the ability to control his opponents is, is something I've never seen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's basically the equivalent of like Mark Coleman in the early UFCs when he was fighting guys who had no idea. It, that's what he but, makes it look like. And that's, what's crazy about it. Cause he's actually mm-hmm. fighting guys, you know, as much as we dog on Conor McGregor, I mean, Conor McGregor is a, is he's got a good takedown. I mean, he, he doesn't, he defends it against everybody else essentially, except, except Khabib, you know? So it's just amazing what he does to other world-class yeah. uh, level fighters. Um, but God, man, I just hope I hope it's a great fight. If, if, yeah, you know, let's avoid any kind of low blow bullshit. Let's avoid any kind of doctor stoppage from. Yeah, I, I pokes any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, let's and let's, I, hope, I don't know let's how, hope Herb let's hope Herb Dean's working a Cage Warriors event or something mm-hmm. that weekend. But I don't know how how accurate these numbers are with the significant strikes. But I mean, when you look at the, I mean, if if Gaethje does land this much more than Khabib with the with the damage that he does when he strikes. I mean, there's there's a there's a good chance he could hurt him. You know what I mean? So, um, like you said, we haven't seen Khabib really hurt in the past. Um, but you know, I mean, I I'm also somebody that likes to root for the underdogs, not not just because of betting purposes and stuff. It makes, like you said, it's epic. It makes for a nice story. Yeah, no, it's the Rocky story. I mean, this is the Rock. This is as Rocky story of you can get in MMA, really. I mean, other than the fact that Rocky was just paid very much a, a journeyman bum who got a title mm. shot, and you know. But it, whereas this is not that case so much. But when Gagey came to the UFC, he had the spectacular fight with Michael Johnson. Then he had two setbacks where everybody kind of said, "Look, see, see, he's not that good. He was he was minor league champion." And now I, didn't, I never thought that I always oh, thought no, no, he no. was just, you know, I, I didn't think that either, but that's what the, that's what the consensus, I, I would say that's fair to say the consensus quote unquote MMA fan believed that. Mm. Um, and, and that's just how it is. I mean, half the MMA media started believing that, um, you know, and, and that's their fault, I think. And w- one thing we have to remember is, is, I mean, like you said, we don't, this is the fight that we don't want to lose. <laughs> But if if one one of these men should happen to get a positive COVID test or what have you, Michael Chandler is there waiting in the wings, and we'll still get kind of a great fight, Michael Chandler versus either of these guys. But it's obviously, like you said, it's not it's not the seven days a week we'll watch it. Uh, you know, this is I'm you know Dana White was saying that Adesanya uh, Costa was supposed to be fight of the year, and I've been saying since we've been talking about it, I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be fight of the year, um, especially since we're coming to the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, if anyone's going to be, it's going to be this. I think it's going to be a different kind of fight of the year, though. I think if this one is, it's going to be Gagey coming back from the from the the, the brink of defeat. I, I, I just, mm. that's how I feel feel like it would unfold for this to create that that buzz for a fight of the year. I think it has to be. Uh, be dominating early, doing his thing, but not able to finish, and then Gagey landing a big punch like in the in the middle of the fight and and swaying the the, the momentum. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's kind of how it has to go. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's got to take damage before he. Yeah, I don't yeah. think this is. There's no no matter no the winner of this fight is still going to have damage done to him. I, I feel like so, there's there's going to be punches thrown. Uh, and Jake Sage, uh, hoping everybody he makes us, it Jake. Uh, healthy. <laughs> That's everybody. Yeah. Um, and since Jake, you're coming over to watch the fight, you can feel free to bring the Red Bull and vodka over on Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> I think actually Paul might be joining as well, but uh, we'll have to see uh, what goes on here at, at, at the pad here for the fights. But uh, yeah, a great fight. Um, I. I I just, I, again, like everybody's saying right now, hopefully it happens. Hopefully there's no, hopefully there's no weight cutting issues. Uh, hopefully nobody's drained. Hopefully we get the two best, you know, we get the best just engaging. We get the best Habib Nurmagomedov that they're capable of bringing to the cage. And, and it delivers a fight that um, us fight fans deserve. We've been waiting for this one. We watched a lot of fights, you know, oh my to, God. Yeah. for one like this to happen. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is the pinnacle of it for, for, for a fight fan. Um, so it just, you know, they don't always deliver, but God, I hope this one does because it'll be something to talk about for, for a long time to come. 
so that pretty much wraps us up for uh, this show. Again, uh, stay tuned for uh, uh, on the audio version of the podcast for Ed's interview with uh, Josh Palmer, uh, announcer for Karate Combat and several other MMA uh, organizations across the planet. Uh, always check us out at, at access all at allaccessmma.com. Uh, you can see the video portion of our podcast there on a weekly basis. Follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram <clears throat> at MMAHawk21. Follow Edit Carbazal on Twitter, Carbeerzal on Instagram, Old Head Carb on Twitch. Uh, and uh, again, thanks to everybody that listens to the show and supports the show. Uh, we really appreciate all the clicks and views. So um, let's wish everybody a great weekend. Uh, healthy weekend, and let's all get to the fight. My just and... bleed face. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It's there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just wishing everybody a, a healthy rest of the week. Let's get to this fight, and and uh, let's give everybody the. Uh, let's hope that these UFC gives the fans uh, what we've been what we've been clamoring for on this one. So I'll, I'll throw myself out the window if, if something happens that we we don't get this. But... <laughs> All right, Ed. Have a good rest of the week, brother, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yes, sir. All right, Ed Carbajal here for MyMMANews.com, speaking with uh, Josh Palmer, who is currently calling the fights for Karate Combat. Uh, Mr. Palmer, thanks so much for taking time to do this interview today. No, no, it's it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Ed. So... um, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, uh, I mean, I know we were kind of talking about it before I started recording, but I- I'd love to hear the details of how you kind of fell into, uh, to, as a martial artist, how you fell into uh, uh, broadcasting and, and calling fights. So you've done Cage Warriors, you've done Polaris, and, um, and I've watched, I've actually heard a lot of your work. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's uh, pretty cool for me to be talking to you right now. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, man, I was super lucky. Like... You know, they have that whole thing over you just kind of you meet enough people and stuff happens. And that's kind of how it happened for me. Um, You know, I was I was training jujitsu and MMA and uh, I happened to go to an open mat uh, one time and I was talking to somebody about the promoter, very low level domestic stuff. You know, in the UK, there's no regulation, so it can kind of be free for all. And, um, you know, he said, oh, you seem to know what you're talking about. Do you want to do you want to judge my show at the weekend? I was like, yeah, OK. So I ended up running his his judging panel for him for, for quite a few events. And off the back of that, I was at a domestic event just watching a teammate compete. And, um, you know, similar thing. The the guy who was commentating, um, who was a professional fighter, but he was doing it solo by himself came up to, to talk to me and a teammate. And, um, you know, I just said, oh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, such and such a person in the co-main event tonight because they were a jiu-jitsu guy. And he said, oh, you seem to sound like you know what you're talking about. Do you want to come and sit down and talk through the fights with me? I was like, yeah, okay, that's that sounds great. And, um, you know, did the first couple and did, did quite a few on that show for free um, because obviously I was just kind of doing it for fun. And then I sort of worked up the courage to say to the promoter, hey, can you, you know, give me some gas money? <laughs> and that worked. And then it just kind of went from there. And, you know, that was 10 years ago. Um, wow. Yeah, wow, super, that... super right place, right time, slash stick your oar in, you know. That's great. I mean, I mean, it's weird because uh, that's kind of how I fell into the to the media business too. But, you know, you just kind of, you know, like right place, right time. Um, as far as your, your martial arts background, I, I know uh, you said you're a jiu-jitsu guy. You have a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you've found your way into calling a sport that, that there's no jiu-jitsu involved, really, no. uh, with, with karate no. combat. So, I mean, can you talk about how, how, how you found yourself standing next to Boss Rutan and, and calling karate yeah. fights? So, I mean, you know, the, the crossover part for me was, was easier because, obviously, I actually have a lot of MMA experience calling MMA fights. And, you know, I've always been very upfront that I am a way better uh, technical grappling commentator than I am a technical striking commentator because, you know, I've put thousands and thousands of hours into mat work and not so much into the striking. I've done enough striking to try and be comfortable if someone punches me in the face, I'm okay. But, you know, I'm very upfront that that's a, a hold that I have. Um mm-hmm. So grappling's always been my thing. Now, 
the difference is that with karate combat what i'm doing is play-by-play commentary which happens to be something that um again i didn't start doing initially i was a color commentator um but play-by-play if you can keep track of multiple threads at the same time and multitask it you, you can kind of you know um fall into that as well in terms of karate combat i just man i got an instagram message one day basically uh, from from adam kovacs the uh, the president basically just saying hey um we've seen you know i i know you from polaris and some other stuff um we're looking for a new play-by-play guy uh, are you interested in having a chat with me and you know i'd seen karate combat before um off the back of bass being on the joe rogan experience and um you know, I'd, I'd watched a bit of it, but, uh, you know, I wasn't following it hardcore at all. Um, but I thought, hey, yeah, this looks cool. Let's 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 have a chat. There's no downside in having a conversation with someone. And um, he sort of clued me up on a lot of it, but left a few key things out and um, and asked me if I would, you know, if he'd send me two fights, if I'd do a little demo tape for them, which is honestly something I'd never done before. Mm. You know, no one's ever said, hey, can can you can you? you know, audition effectively. Um, but we're looking at a couple of guys and, um, you know, an audition tape would be really helpful. So I said, well, you know, it does, it, it changes the dynamic doing it solo with no crowd, <laughs> you know, on your laptop with a microphone. It, it changes it a bit, but, you know, I'll see what I can do. And um, I sent that in. And then about a week later, I got a phone call and he just said, hey, how do you, um, how do you feel about commentating with Bass? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. This is, you know, I mean, it's Bass Rudin. It's like, yeah. what are you going to do? Say no. <laughs> you know. I was going to say, who would say no to that? I mean, that's uh, that's like anyone that does the work that you do. That's almost like a, a bucket list thing to, to sit next to someone like him that's, you know, got accolades in the sport and, and his own color commentary experience. That That's, it's got to be a, it's got to be a, you got, there's got to be something you're learning off of that to add to your, the future of your career oh, too. For sure. And, you know, it's at any time because obviously, you know, I come from small domestic MMA background in the UK originally. And it's like, OK, well, the first time I got to sit down and do it with anyone of note, like, you know, Jens Polver or Frank Trigg or Kenny Florian or Sean Williams or these guys. I was like, OK, how this this feels very real now. <laughs> how am I going to stack up? You know, um, mm. and everybody does stuff slightly differently. Everybody has slightly different styles um you know bass and i seem to have hit very very quickly a really really nice chemistry um you know he he's slightly more exuberant slightly more out there i'm a you know i'm english i'm a little bit more a little bit more reserved a little bit more straight edge but that juxtaposition plays really well and um, yeah yeah and it's been a lot of fun so far yeah no i agree i I, uh having caught the uh, event from this past sunday um you know, one of the things, I mean, now you kind of uh, checked off something that I noticed uh, from last Sunday's event when, when uh, the takedown that occurred for the knock the knockout that everyone's, it's all over the internet now. Um, the body lock uh, call that you made, because you were you questioned the uh, validity of it. Yeah. And uh, you like, obviously, <clears throat> it takes a trained eye like yours to realize how high it was and how low it was and why it was legal afterwards once yeah. they broke it down. So, I, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, there's a there is a story behind that, um, and it was it was simply that the wording was not written in the rule set was not written by someone who is a predominant grappler. It's written by someone who's a predominant striker, and things are worded differently. Mm-hmm. Um, what the rule set was particularly trying to say was that soup specifically suplexes are illegal, but body lock throws were not. But it included the terminology other wrestling techniques. It was suplexes mm-hmm. or other wrestling techniques, and I'm like. That's a body log. That's, that's definitely a mat return. Pretty sure that's a wrestling technique. And, um, you know, so I, I had to sort of raise the question in my head. Now, you know, um, it, we, we were able to fix it and we, we, we came to an agreement over why it was legal. And the key thing is my interpretation of it is irrelevant compared to the interpretation of the fighters and the referee. Right. Mm-hmm. They matter. I don't matter. You know, I matter in an entertainment context. I don't matter in a context of the decision of the fight. So me saying it's irrelevant or not irrelevant, illegal, sorry, um, doesn't necessarily make it so. And, uh, you know, that was just a wording ambiguity in the rules that we've since straightened out. But the referee and the fighters were competing under the 
you know, the assumption that that was legal, thus it was mm -hmm. legal. So no big deal in the end. You know, uh, it's just one of those things happens occasionally, but, you know, you iron it out and move on. Yeah, no, I mean, it was definitely, but it's also a learning experience too, because one of the things, the thing that actually caught my eye about Karate Combat from their first season was their unique rule set and how it almost, if you talk to any of the guys, I'm sure you have, if you've talked to any of the Karate Combat competitors, they've all said that they prefer this rule set over anything else they've done competitively because I think it was uh, El Haji Nador that I spoke to in season one, and he said this is the tr this is karate's truest form, and people aren't getting to you know in the past people have been able to see it, so now they can see it. And uh, takedowns are part of karate. You know, people think it's it's the stuff they saw in Karate Kid with the point fightings, but you know it's it's almost like uh, it's like a better version of uh, the old school kickboxing. Like a, a friend of mine called it long pants kickboxing from, <laughs> yeah. from the 70s and 80s. But yeah. there's throws included. So, I mean, I, I like it. It's fun. It's, it's been a interesting re-education for me um, on kind of traditional martial arts because I do not come from a traditional martial arts background. You know, I meet a lot of people who are higher level guys in jiu-jitsu here who maybe had 10 or 12 years of taekwondo or karate or something else before that. I didn't. I went straight from being a fat guy on the couch into what I would consider to be contemporary martial arts in the form of MMA and, and jiu-jitsu and grappling. So I never really had a, a, an upbringing in, in traditional martial arts and how significantly they can vary over time, having gone from art down to a point fighting rule set to an Olympic rule set where, you know, the variations in applicability start coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me to start learning about, hey, some of the real nasty old stuff you know like I, I when i was doing some research i never realized that a cannabisami is is in old school karate you know a scissor takedown it's, mm -hmm. it's called a brad pinch in one of the <laughs> reference guides that i that i read but i was like that's i would never have you know um never have assumed that was in karate uh, maybe it's naive on my part but you know it's been it's been really interesting and enjoyable to to dive into some stuff that i previously didn't have an appreciation of yeah, and that's one of the things, too, that I, I think is uh, um, interesting for karate combat. As you said, you know, people, when you say karate, they just think it's just everyone's doing the same moves, the same style. But there's different disciplines of karate. And if you look at the karate combat roster, and I don't know if this is something that you realized as you were coming into it. I mean, you kind of just said that you did. But, like, looking at there's Shorinru, there's Shotokan, Kyokoshin-style fighters, Taekwondo, stuff like that. Uh, Josh Cohagen, he calls his American karate, which is yeah. kind of like the, the the kickboxing I was referring to. So, I mean, is it was that something that you've discovered as as you were calling these events? I know I know you just did the one, but yeah, like... no, I mean, I, I I was I was obviously aware there were you know different variations of the same art, but as you say, Josh Cohagen is a great example where as soon as he said, "Hey, I call it American karate," I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> Please tell me the difference. But yeah, between between like the Shotokan guys and the Kyokushin guys and the, the Wadario and the uh, Kudo as well, you know, we've got some fights here in Kudo. Um, yeah, it's been, it, it's just been educational for me and uh, it's been thoroughly enjoyable so far. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I, one of the questions I was going to ask you, but you answered it already, was if, if you had done, if you had done any karate in, uh, in Europe, you know, because growing up uh, where I grew up here in New Jersey, you know, like that was that karate schools were around mostly Taekwondo. So like everyone has kind of gotten some sort of, uh, you know, everyone at some point in someone's life, they've put on the gi and thrown the punches and kicks and done the karate kid type of stuff. But you kind of said that that wasn't around where you grew up in the UK. So, yeah, um, no, I mean, it was it was very much around. I mean, the, the, the jiu-jitsu school that I very first started at way mm -hmm. back in the day was um, was also a karate school. You know, it was run by a karate guy um, and he brought in several other, you know, fairly, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh dan guys. And, um, you know, and I, I got some exposure to it, but nothing that I would have. I, I wasn't into it. It wasn't, you know, I was all about the grappling. <laughs> really. yeah. So, you know, it existed, um, but not not on my radar all that much. So um, speaking of, of the the karate combat's uniqueness one of the things folks that even that are that are just you know your general combat sports fan obviously the presentation the uh the virtual i know they're doing the thing with uh, unreal engine now 
Um, uh-huh. You you kind of had to put on the, uh, the 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 road warrior type outfit. Yeah. That's got to be a new experience for you, right? Can you just yeah. talk about that? Remember when I said they conveniently left a couple of things out? Costumes, <laughs> costumes was one of them. Um, man, that was a buzz. That was a real buzz. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it is different, and it, it does it just helps you get in the vibe. You know, it's we're going to these these settings and these scenarios, and uh, you know, just to really, you might as well just throw throw everything at it. You know, <laughs> and what's the point in having me there in a suit or, or bus or Layla? you know, they're in a suit when we can kind of really be part of the the world. And uh, that's been fun. It's, it's different, but it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different. But uh, do you know if uh, one of the things I wanted to ask was actually because they actually had a lot of technology in season one that I thought mm-hmm. could help combat sports across the board. Like they had the, the mouthpieces where they're checking the saliva. You can track for concussive issues. Um uh, the heart rate monitor I noticed is gone. They used to have like a HUD on the screen. There was something in the glove that would track the fighter's heart rate monitors. And I, I noticed some of that stuff is different. Do you do you know uh, uh, if that's coming back or any of that stuff is still being used or why they got rid of it? I do not. That is, I have to say, that is news to me. Yeah, yeah, that, it, was, that's, it was. That's super interesting. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pester them about that now. <laughs> yeah, the company was called Quadrant Biosciences, I believe, that was doing the thing with the mouthpieces and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote about it over at SureDog, and I uh, did an interview with someone that that from the company. But it was definitely a uh, like I felt like you know everything Karate Combat is trying. I feel like there's some stuff that that obviously folks love. People love the 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 presentation and stuff like that. And the pit is awesome. Um, Dude, the pit is so like I the first time I got in it, I, I was I was like I wonder what this is going to be like. And then I got down in it, and I was like, ooh, I just I want to have a grapple in it. Seriously, like it's. <laughs> It's so cool. I, I like. I, I cannot express how much more fun it is than being in a cage. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up because uh, I, I only stood outside of it when they were here in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I would want. I mean, because you notice if they go to the ground on that slanted part of the pit. Yeah. I mean, I guess um, there has to be some training or some of the refs go, go through to know when to jump in because they're technically grounded. It's just a slope. Yeah. Yeah, they're, if their back hits that that slope, they are considered a grounded opponent. So they they've got the five second count for ground and pound started. Um, the thing that is hard to convey until you're actually in that pit is forty five degrees is really quite steep. You know, it really is. I mean, you know, you would never you would never usually walk up a forty five degree gradient in your normal life. You know, unless you were running hills. Um, so it's it's it you know, it really hems you in without being too intrusive. Um, so, yeah, I, I really loved it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it's definitely something that's been a constant through both season one and season two. So that's that that's something that should stick. I just worry sometimes about them between rounds when they run up and down <laughs> to go to their corners. You know, what if they yeah. get hurt? They can't get up. Yeah. And you're not the first person to suggest that either. I mean, it is, you know, it is a consideration that you've got to take a little bit of energy to, you know, bound your feet up and dart up to the top. Um, but I mean, I will say that, you know, fighter safety is, is super important. And, you know, before an event, we see the paramedic team, you know, they have a special ladder that's been made to help get in and out, get a stretcher in and out. Oh, nice. Um, and they drill that, you know, that fighter safety exit procedure for if they need to um, pretty, pretty significantly. So, you know, from a safety perspective, yeah, it just it takes a little bit more energy for them to get up the pit. But outside of that, it's um, you know, there's there's no downside to it really. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's great to hear too. Um, so you did one event. I mean, do you know how many events they're going to have you on the mic for? Because they had Marshawn Lynch, and I know they one of the press releases said they were going to try to rotate people. So, do you know how many events you're on deck for? I'm. You got to put up with me for the whole of season two. Oh, all right. <laughs> hey, that's great. No, you did a you did a great job on on the the. First one you did from last Sunday, so I'm looking forward to the next one. But, um, I mean, uh, that that's pretty much all I have for you. Um, I really do appreciate the time. Um, it's going to be every Sunday until season, season two. I forget how many events are left. Uh, so we've had four. There's eight more to go. Eight more to go. Let me eight more to go, yeah. You've you got to put up with us every Sunday night at 7 Eastern. And that's on the uh, BN Sports Karate.com and their YouTube channel, right? Yeah. So I think the main, the, you know, the, the main premiere that certainly that I sit down and, and watch is the, uh, the Sunday night one. Yeah. So, 
yeah so it's you know it's uh, i will say feedback on the first one has been fantastic um thoroughly enjoyable um you know i was bracing myself for uh, some some internet uh, you know internet comments but for the most part very very positive um you know i will always work on what is what needs to be fixed you know um i i can't guarantee for this season you'll hear me do it all that much but you know if i come back for for a season three you'll hear me full-on japanese correct karate term for everything um it just it takes you know i did a similar thing in mixed martial arts with the application of judo where i, yeah. I never trained judo outside of you know having some judokas come in and teach us for jiu-jitsu so it took me a while to throw correct terminology in there quickly with the with names of throws and stuff so you know that's something that you'll see me refine over time uh assuming i stick around um mm. you know that's one of the things that i would like to to fix but um man it's it's a buzz i mean between between bass and and obviously layla uh who, who's come on board and i've worked with layla for a long time and she's just you know fantastic at what she does and together everybody just seems to gel really well and um it's a hugely motivating team of people to be around because everybody involved in in this promotion just wants to make it the best it can be i mean there's there's perfectionists in every every aspect of this thing um and you you know you've already seen their willingness to adapt and change and try stuff and you know sure perhaps every so often you're going to get something that you know is hit or miss um but the formula right now is looking really good. The refinements mm -hmm. are really good. And uh, for me, it's, it's incredibly exciting to, to be part of. Yeah, no, I've, I've been excited since day one. And I, I really do like uh, that uh, old school karate has a home for, for folks that want to see it. And it looks like, like uh, it's almost getting rid of the stigma, you know, where people, people kind of said, Oh, karate doesn't work. But then you see guys like Leota Machida and Steven Wonderboy Thompson come out and they do so well. And and just to see that there's more guys like that 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 can that can bring it, it's really awesome. Um, I know you have some stuff that you probably want to plug. I, I was checking out your uh, jujitsu uh, site, the the apparel and stuff. So if you want to <laughs> go right ahead. No, appreciate. It. Uh, mainly just to say thank you very much. And if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it's at Josh Palmer says. Um, yeah, if you're in if you're in uh, the US as well, I do help uh, own and, and operate uh, Valor Fightwear USA. Dot com so you know try and help to push some clean looking jujitsu geese and an apparel out there um but outside of that you know keep keep tuned to karate combat we've got a, a wicked episode with some some wicked fights coming up on sunday um first title fight of, of the season as well with jerome brown and, and josh Coyhagen, um which is is gonna be a lot of fun i think i think that's gonna be a cracker yeah yeah me, me too i'm looking forward to it so thank you so much mr palmer i'll, I'll uh I'll be looking forward to the event this Sunday. No problem. Thanks, Ed. Take care. Hey, guys. Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions, and in some, the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening, and if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast, maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.